Good morning, new community. I'm so excited to be here this morning just in the presence of God, in the presence of new friends. Um, God is just faithful. It's something about corporate worship. And it's just always a blessing. So it's so good to see your faces and to be in this space with you this morning. And so as uh, you know, or maybe you don't because this may be your first Sunday here, but we've been in this sermon series on Esther. And um, today we are coming to a conclusion of sorts. And I want you to go with me uh, to Esther chapter 5. So you can grab your Bibles or whatever devices uh, you have. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. So, and I'm going to start at verse 1. And so typically I just read the text, I pray, and we jump into the message. How does that sound? Good. Esther chapter 5, starting at verse 1. And just a heads up, I'm going to start at 5, and then we're going to skip to chapter 7 after I read a couple of verses there. But I'm, I'm going to let you know what I'm doing, all right? <laughs> Esther chapter 5, starting at verse 1, it says, On the third day of the fast, Esther put on her royal robes and entered the inner court of the palace just across from the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her and held out the gold scepter to her. So Esther approached and touched the end of the scepter. When the king asked her, what do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you even if it is half of the kingdom. Oh, every wife likes to hear a husband say that. (laughs) And Esther replied, if it please the king and Haman, come today to a banquet I have prepared for the king. Verse 5, the king turned to his attendants and said, tell Haman to come quickly to a banquet as Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to Esther's banquet. I'm jumping to chapter 7, starting at verse 1. So Esther chapter 7, verse 1, let's go there. So the king and Haman went to Queen Esther's banquet, and on the second occasion, while they were drinking wine, the king said again to Esther, tell me what you want, Queen Esther. What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half of the kingdom. Queen Esther replied, if I have found favor with the king and it pleases the king to grant my request, I ask that the life and the lives of the people will be spared of my people will be spared, for my people and I have been sold to those who would kill, slaughter, and annihilate us. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you so much that you are a good father and you love to give good gifts. We thank you for the gift of your spirit that is in this place. We thank you for the gift of this gathering. And Holy Spirit, we just ask, would you continue to saturate us as we listen to your word? Draw us closer to you. Give us what we need today in this message. Touch every heart, God, as we uh, absorb what it is you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We started this series, and I was talking about Esther, and I talked about how Esther was a reluctant heroine of sorts, that um, as she 
was in this story, there were some things that came up where she wrestled and she struggled. We talked about her uncle Haman as this plan and this plot to kill all of the Jews, including himself. Uh, Haman was distressed about this and his niece uh, was in the palace with the queen Esther, and she wasn't quite sure what to do. At first, she tried to uh, pacify Haman, and Haman told her, as we learned last week, don't think that this will pass you. Perhaps you have been called for such a time as this. Here is a big theme or a big idea as we listen to this series. Perhaps God is going to bring change. No, not perhaps. God will bring change, and if we're open, He will use us to do it. God will bring change, and if we're open, He will use us to do it. Even if we're a little reluctant at first, even while we're on the journey and we're not sure, God, can you use me? What do you want to do through me? I'm not sure if you can really work through me. Have you ever been in that place before where you've been consumed with fears and doubts? I can say that I have. I remember when I was in college and um, I was praying about, God, what are my next steps? What am I called to do? And I felt very strongly that I was called to do ministry full-time. But the denomination and the tradition I grew up in did not advocate or support women in ministry. So I thought, well, surely I can do that. And so for many years, I'll fast forward and I'll give you my whole story. But for many years, I wrestled and I thought, can I do this? Can I be a pastor? Can I be a minister? And I looked through Scripture and I combed through it. And I, I ended up obviously arriving at a place where, yes, I believe that God can do that through me. Right? And so, can I tell you though, even though I came to this place and there at the beginning of the journey, I was very reluctant about it because I was unsure of myself and there were many doubts and fears. But can I tell you, even when you arrive to the place where you go, I'm going to press forward, that does not stop the enemy from trying to throw obstacles in your way. Let me tell you a quick story that happened to me over the weekend. I, um, as you know, many of you know, uh, my family and I relocated here from Minnesota. Uh, shout out to the Twin Cities. Um, <laughs> there's like nobody here from the Twin <laughs> Cities. <laughs> oh, I got one person. <laughs> and so anyway, we relocated here. And as we're here, you know, we're, we're trying to do all the things. You know, the important things when you're settling into a new city, you know, you want to do all those important things like find where the target is. Yes, I like to call it Target um, because I'm bougie, okay? And so, you know, you want to you wanna do all the things. And one of the things that I did was I said, you know, I got to look for a homeschool co-op. Um, I've been homeschooling my kids since the pandemic. Um, Y'all pray for them because I don't know math very well. And so, you know, God be a tutor. And so, anyway, as I'm looking for 
you know, communities to participate in. I found a couple and, you know, I'm emailing people and, you know, trying to get us connected. And so I emailed this Christian community um, and the woman over the group and I said, over this co-op, uh, it's what they call them. Uh, and I said, hey, my family and I would love to join, uh, be a part of this community, so on and so forth. And so she and I talked, set up a time to talk, and I'm telling her my story. And she was so nice, y'all. I mean, she was so nice. She said, so what do you do for a living? I said, well, you know, we moved here uh, for work. I'm you know, an interim uh, pastor at this church, and I'm just kind of unpacking all the things that I'm doing. She's like, great, good, awesome. I love it. That's so great. And so we had a great conversation, and at the end of the conversation, she goes, I'll email you next steps, like, you know, dates and times and all the things. So I said, great, I'll talk to you later. Thanks so much. And so, you know, um, I'm looking through my email to, you know, because I want to know what's happening, okay? Like, uh, is she going to get back to me or whatever? I'm just, you know, I'm trying to stay on top of it, essentially. So, you know, a couple of days later, I got an email, and in her email, she said to me, she said, you know, I thought about it, and I hate to inform you that we are not like-minded. So I continue to read, okay? And I, as I continue to read, she said, most of the people who attend this co-op are from my church, and our church does not believe in women in ministry. We do not believe in women pastors. So I think you being a part, you and your children, being a part of our group would be too disruptive. So she invited me to go somewhere else. Now, you know, I'm saved. <laughs> And, you know, I thought about Scripture, and I even thought about the saying that our previous First Lady, Michelle Obama, made famous, when they go low, you go high. Uh, but my flesh said, when they go low, you go to the flow. You know, that, that's what I felt like. That's what I felt like, because I said, you know, I started looking around, I said, this email cannot be to me. And you know what I thought about, though? As I sat there with that, and you know, I had to work through it. I'm not going to lie to you as anyone would. And I prayed and I worked through it, but you know what I thought about as this young woman who sent me this message? She doesn't know my story. She just knows that she sees me, and she just thinks I arrived there, but she does not know that I prayed to this place, cried to this place, studied to this place, that God brought me to this place. But then, you know, because it's interesting, whenever you're preaching a sermon, um, or whenever I'm preaching a sermon, and lots of preachers will say this, the message always has a way of impacting you first. And so even as I sat with this experience um, of myself and my children being uninvited to a group because of who I am and what I do, I thought about how there will be obstacles along the way to challenge who God has called you to be. 
We've all been there, right? We're doing what God has called us to do, going where God has called us to go. And we all have a hiccup in that story sometimes. And I'm sure Mordecai did too when he was wondering, God, where are you? When are you going to show up? When will people stop sending me letters and emails telling me I'm not called to do what you have called me to do? Um, God, when am I going to get to a point where I can fully be settled into the place of purpose with all of the fears and worries allayed around whether or not I can do this. Have you been there before? The little things really do make a difference. I know the saying goes, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But the truth is that life and death lie in the power of the tongue. And so sometimes we have to release the words to God and we have to defeat the negative thoughts so we can push forward in the thing that God has called us to do because we know that we want to make a real impact. We know that we want to walk in purpose because who we are and what we are called to do goes far beyond what we can understand or see. It has impact beyond this moment, this world, and this realm. And this is why the story of Esther is so beautiful because we see this biblical character wrestling with the same kinds of things. And I'm sure we don't have all the details, but I'm sure someone said to Esther, are you crazy? You can't go before the king. But Esther was determined. And when we're determined, God will use us. God uses Esther in the end, her faithfulness saves an entire people. Never underestimate what God can do through your life when you give it to Him. See, we have to actually give Him our lives, you know, and we have to say, God, this is yours. Paul says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. What does it profit a person to gain the world and then lose their soul? To live is Christ. We have to give our lives freely to Him. And when we give our lives to God, when our intentions are honorable, when our intentions seek to be holy and righteous before the God who has called us, God will open the door. As a matter of fact, God will open multiple doors. <laughs> it's not what we have, but it is what God gives us. And when God gives us favor, because he gives Esther favor in this story, what does King Xerxes say to her? He says, Esther, what do you want? Even if it's up to half of my kingdom, that was a lot. That's what we like to call the fog, the favor of God. When we enter into this place, of giving our lives to him, God will give us favor. The king says, Esther, even if it's up to half 
of my kingdom, you can have it. Here is what you have to know. God has unlimited resources, and he is ready to fully equip and empower you to do his work. He will put you in a place and in a position where perhaps people who have not listened to you will now listen to you. You'll begin to influence powers and places and systems. You'll begin to um, uh, uh, be in rooms and God will make room for you at the table. And it won't be because you had to bully or push your way in. God is about to invite you to the table. <laughs> and I know it may be difficult to believe. I know you may have a grievance of some sort. Perhaps you are listening to this story and you're still kind of stuck in the place of God. Why would you even allow for there to be an order where your people are annihilated? Perhaps you are stuck in that place and we all kind of get stuck when we have a grievance sometime. Is that true? When we feel like God has done something to offend us, we can kind of get stuck in that place when John in the Gospels is in prison and he sends his followers, John the Baptist, and he says, listen, go and ask my cousin. You know, we related. Come get me. Come get me. You know, he says, but go and ask Jesus. He put some respect on his name. He said, go and ask Jesus, are you the one, or should we keep searching? This is what John the Baptist sends his followers to go ask Jesus. And when they show up, Jesus is doing miracles. Jesus is doing what he does. They ask the question anyhow, and Jesus sends them back and says, listen, go back and tell them, do not be offended because of me. Listen, there will be times where there will be things we don't understand. The older people in my church used to say, we'll understand it better by and by. Sometimes we got to give the grievance over to the by and by. We got to give the problem over to the by and by. We got to give the confusion over to the by and by. We got to give the why over to the by and by. I know there may be things that you may have a grievance with. I know you're ready to dismantle the dysfunction. I know you're ready to just go for it, but can I tell you, let God open the door. Let God open the door. I know you're ready to tell it like a T.I. is, okay? I know you're ready to go to the floor like I was when I got that email. I know you are, if you're anything like me, but maybe you're not. But we all have those moments where we want to fix it and do it on our own. But we have to let God do his work and open the door. And in the meantime, as we're waiting for God to do his work. That's our time to perfect our message and our position. And here's what I mean by perfect. I mean practice, pray, and plan. Practice, pray, and plan. You know, that's what Esther was doing when she was fasting. 
practicing her speech to the king, praying and fasting, and then planning a banquet. I love it when a plan comes out around food. God is so good. But perfect the message. Practice what you're preaching. Pray for insight and then plan your way to victory. Proverbs 16 and 18 says, your gift will make room for you. Many a times I thought because I possess a talent, things would just fall into my lap. Yeah, I did. I did. It would just fall into my lap. I showed up. It's going to fall into my lap. But here's the thing. I learned that you have to show up and be present and be ready to present value to others. That's what it means when it says your gifts will make room for you. Are you ready to present value to others? You can't want an audience, but then not have something of value to offer. What are we bringing? What are we giving? What are we presenting that's going to change the lives of others and make a mark on our community? was bringing a plan that would change the trajectory of a nation. She was perfecting and praying and planning. <laughs> What's your plan? And it can be very simple. Sometimes it's just getting out of the way. Getting out of God's way. The Bible says that God speaks to King Xerxes on Mordecai's behalf. In Esther chapter 6, it says, verses 1 through 3, it says, That night the king had trouble sleeping, so he ordered an attendant to bring him the book of history of his reign so it could be read to him. And in those records, he discovered an account of how Mordecai had exposed the plot of Bignatha and Teresh, two eunuchs who guarded the door to the king's private quarters. They had plotted to assassinate King Xerxes. King Xerxes then says, what reward or recognition did we ever give to Mordecai for this? His attendants replied, nothing has been done for him. Do you see how God will disrupt people's sleep for you? <laughs> God sends a dream to Xerxes, and he goes, what can we do to honor him? Let God fight for you, because then it turns out that the enemy of Mordecai then has to turn and honor him. The king tells Haman, he says, Haman, go and bestow honor upon this man. <laughs> The scripture tells us that Haman had to take the robes and put them on Mordecai. Haman had to place him on the king's own horse and lead him through the city square. This is my favorite, y'all. Shouting, this is what the king does for someone he honors. <laughs> That's kind of messed up. <laughs> This is what the king does for someone he honors. Does this not sound like the psalm where David says, he prepares a table 
before me in the presence of my enemies. When God opens a door, when God makes a way, when God gives favor, when God elevates, this is what he does. You won't have to shout the message, but he will make it known. He will make it known that he contends with those who contend with you. You know what happens in this story, and it's really quite a good story. <laughs> Haman loses it, okay? He lost it. If it was a reality TV show, they would have been beeping out all of his words. Haman lost it when he saw the honor being bestowed upon Mordecai. Can I tell you something? There will be people who think you don't deserve it. I've had that experience before. Who are you to be a pastor at a church, black woman? <laughs> there will people who will believe that you don't deserve the honor that God has bestowed upon you. They will ridicule you. Sometimes they will hate and hate on you. And as we see in the story of Esther, at times they will even begin to invest in your demise. But I want to tell you to keep going. See, because nobody knows your story how you know your story. They don't see how you've cried so you can thrive. They didn't see how you had to chant the song, I will survive in the shower as your personal anthem so you could make it. They don't see how you spent time weeping in the wilderness with God as it concerned your journey. As a matter of fact, we even have to step back and ask ourselves, Should, why am I mad? I can't even be mad at them because they don't know. They don't know that we didn't just show up. They don't know that we have, who we are has been curated in the crucible of suffering, crafted by the creator of the universe. Listen, I wasn't born last night, but I've been delivered in the midnight hour. I didn't just arrive to this position. I was pushed here. I was purposed here. I didn't just glow up. I had to grow up. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I know the fight that God has called you to fight is not always an easy one. But here's what I want to tell you. Keep going. Because what the enemy means for bad, God will turn and make good. Not only do I want to tell you to keep going, I want to tell you to get comfortable have a seat. Have a seat. How appropriate is it that God grants her request at a banquet where there is seating and people are relaxed? He grants her request at a table. Esther chapter 8 says, on that same day, King Xerxes gave the property 
of Haman once he found out what was happening, the property of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, to Queen Esther. Then Mordecai was bought before the king, for Esther had told, how the, told the king how they were related. Then the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken back from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed Mordecai to be in charge of Haman's property. You know, I feel like there's two kinds of speed when it comes to God. <laughs> Much later and right now. <laughs> Much later and right now. There are parts of this story in Esther where they're sitting in the much later. But because of who God is, he shows up in a right now moment for Esther. He says, on that same day, can I tell you something regardless of what you're experiencing and going through, even as we are looking at a, as a church, as a community, uh, with all the transitions and everything going on, and we wonder, how will we make it? How will we do what we're called to do? How will we live out this mission statement that we say every Sunday? Can I tell you something? God is a on-the-same-day kind of God. He can and He will make up for lost time. He will make up for the tears, the weariness, and the distress. But here's the question. Are you willing to be the one? Whew. The faithful one, the praying one, the perfecting one, the stand still and know he's God one. Will you be the one whose faithfulness God can use to make an impact on many? Esther chapter 8, verse 17 and I'll conclude with this, reading this for your hearing. It says, in every province and city, wherever the king's decree arrived, the Jews rejoiced and had a great celebration and declared a public festival and holiday. And many of the people of the land became Jews themselves. For they feared what the Jews might do to them. In other words, people turned to their God because they just witnessed something that only God could do. Church, I want us to give the world an opportunity to witness through us something that only God can do. Wow something that only God can do, that God can take this here church, this here congregation on the north side of the city of Chicago, right here in Logan Square, and use it as a marker, <laughs> as a beacon of light for this city, uh, perhaps even this world, to, for people to say, what is God doing there? If he could do it at New Community Covenant Church, Logan Square, he can do it here. But can we be a church? and the people who say we want to be the one. We want to turn our words and our worship towards our God, 
so people can witness something great. Church, let's give the world an opportunity. And we can even back that up. So let's give one another an opportunity. This block, an opportunity. This community, an opportunity to witness something that only God can do. As we close, I want to say this prayer for those of us who are willing to say, God, I want to be the one. <laughs> I'm choosing to be one of those ones. Choosing to walk in my purpose for the greater good of the kingdom. And if that's you this morning, I simply want you to posture yourself in your heart to receive this prayer, whatever that looks like for you this morning. And perhaps it's bowing your head, lifting your hands, standing up, bowing, whatever sort of receiving posture you want to be in to receive this prayer, I invite you to do so now if you're going, yeah, I want to be one of the ones. God, we thank you that you want to bring change to this world. Yeah, God. We thank you, God, that you want to bring change, yes, even to our communities right at home. So, God, we thank you for that. But, God, we thank you that you want to use us to do it. <laughs> I once heard the words of a really profound prayer teacher, and he said, without God, we cannot. But without us, God will not. I'll say that again. Without God, we cannot. But without us, God will not. So God, we show up in this space and in this moment, God, and we ask, God, would you give us the courage, the discernment, the wisdom, uh, the fortitude, God, to give ourselves fully, wholly, and totally to you in this moment. Laying aside every fear, laying aside every doubt, laying aside every obstacle that would try to keep us for moving forward in purpose, God, so that we can be the one, one of the ones who will make a difference for your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.